Hello and welcome back. I'm Joe. And I'm TJ. And you're listening to Season 5 of Focus Ed Podcast, where we cover all things education to help you lead better and grow faster by staying focused. Focus Ed is a collaborative program of work with our partners from the Delaware Department of Education and Wilmington University. We record each episode with a live audience and then blast them out to you from our website, theschoolhouse302.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and more. Don't forget to follow us at theschoolhouse302.com to learn more about when episodes are recorded and for more school leadership resources. As always, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Focus Ed, and we can't wait to hear from you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Focus Ed, where we invite expert guests to join us. And in this episode, we have Don Parker with a focus on leading your school on the road to equity. Don, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, TJ. I'm ecstatic that you guys are having me today. It's an honor. Likewise, we are thrilled. TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Don? Sure thing, Joe. Thanks for that. Dr. Don Parker is a transformational keynote speaker and professional development provider. He specializes in social and emotional learning, supporting teachers to build trusting relationships with students, restorative practices, trauma-informed practices, and improving the culture and climate of schools to enhance students' and teachers' feeling of belonging. Dr. Parker is a former principal and served as Poston School in Poston, Illinois, where he improved the school climate, staff collaboration, parent engagement, and student achievement. Before that, he was the principal of Lincoln Avenue School, a K-12, or I'm sorry, a K-8 school in Dalton, Illinois, where he improved the culture, implemented a resilience program, managed the implementation of restorative justice, and increased attendance and student achievement. No small feat. Dr. Parker has a strong belief in creating a school climate in which the entire staff strives for excellence to meet the academic and social and emotional needs of each student. He is presented throughout the United States at distinguished educational conferences, including ASCD, Every Student Succeeds Act Conference, National Principals Conference, Illinois Principal Conference, Oklahoma Secondary and Elementary Conference, the Raising Student Achievement Conference, Transforming School Culture Conference, and the Innovative School Summit, just to name a few. And I know there's a bunch more because I see him on social. He is the author of the book called Building Bridges, Engaging Students at risk through the power of relationships and his new book, Be the Driving Force, Leading Your School on the Road to Equity, which we're going to talk about tonight. You can follow Don on Twitter at Dr. Don Parker One. We're going to jump right in here, Don, because we know your time is limited and we have just a short show with you. You wrote a book called Be the Driving Force, Lead Your School on the Road to Equity. You say that leaders are either driving toward equity or pumping the brakes. I want to dive into that. But first, why did you write this book and what do you want school leaders to take from it? I wrote this book because there's been an issue with equity and the achievement gap for years and years. So we do a lot about, you know, discussing the issue, but what are we actually doing to take actions towards establishing more equity in our schools so we can better serve students from historically marginalized groups? And, you know, not just them, but all students, you know, equity is about giving each person what they need so they can meet their maximum success. So as a school leader, it's like I said in the opening, either you're a person who drives equity because you believe in it and you believe that all students deserve a great education, or you tap the brakes on equity. Well, it's not that important to you. You know, you'd rather focus on other things, you know, during your school administration. But if you are really 
an equity advocate and understand the importance of justice and, you know, giving students what they need, giving staff what they need so that they can be successful. And you're going to be that driving force, establish, promote, and sustain equity in your school or district. And Don, you mentioned a lot in the book about really the principal's role within, you know, that drive. And can you elaborate on that? Because one thing that really struck me when I was going through it is that, you know, the principal is the one who fosters and supports this equitable school climate. They foster and support this drive. Can you get into detail about how they can specifically do that, how they set that climate and drive towards that degree of equity? Absolutely, because it starts at the top. So it, it comes out with you setting that as one of your initiatives and getting everyone on board with your vision. School leaders was so important and powerful about not only school leaders, but every leader is the importance of having a vision. And one thing that I know for sure is that people, they may agree with you, they may support the cause, but people get behind a person faster than they get behind a cause. So if a person believes in you and they believe in your vision, then they're going to get behind you to support you. And so one thing that I always do, you know, with my staff is I turn my back to my staff and I say, although I got your back, it's like I'm leading. And so what this means is somebody has to go through me in order to get through you, all right, in order to get to you. So uh, as a leader, you know, I just let them know I support them. And since I support them, I share my vision with them. And in return, I expect that to be reciprocal. So they support me as well. Don, I'm going to double click on that supporting teachers part, because in the book, you talk about collaborating with the staff and you just talked about getting buy-in and people will follow a person before they follow a cause. I'm going to ask mm -hmm. the hard questions here too. What if they don't though? What if you're having trouble with people who just aren't on board with this DEI work? We are seeing spots around the country where people don't want to talk about it. What do you say to systems and schools, school leaders who are coming up against resistance to some of these practices and aren't as easy to collaborate with? Okay. Well, you have to share data. So yes, we can all share our passion and that's very good. But you know, the first thing about change, what you have to do first is create a sense of urgency. And so that sense of urgency, you know, can be seen in spaces where students aren't achieving, where students don't have equal access and to where maybe the school is not being successful in certain, you know, areas. And so what we do is we just take an honest look at the data. We see what the evidence supports. And then we say, okay, what equitable practices or policies can we start doing in order to improve our school data? And then we talk to the person. We say, how can this benefit you? And we put them in the shoes. It starts with empathy. Okay. We have to put them in the shoes of people who need support. And so I would ask my teachers, you know, do you feel like you get what you need in order to be successful? So why shouldn't everybody have what they need in order to be successful? So it starts from that empathy standpoint as well. Don, have you discovered certain needs that just, and I know this is a little bit of a generalization, but I, I really love the tie that if you're going to make your school successful, you want your teachers to be successful. So they need resources. Mm -hmm. That made me think immediately of also us removing barriers from students. Have you seen in your own work, like, are there general things that we need to do and can do for students right out of the gate, especially those from marginalized backgrounds, you know, some students that are definitely more vulnerable? Yeah, there's several things, but let me give you three. So according to the National Resilience Institute, 80% of students 
students will suffer at least one adverse childhood experience by the time they're 18. All right, 60% of students will suffer from at least three adverse childhood experiences by the time they're 18. But what the research also shows is that 72% of students feel as if they need mental health care support but do not receive it. So that's why I say educators are eating soup with a fork. What do I mean by educators are eating soup with a fork? If 72% of students feel that they need mental health care support but do not receive it, that means students are literally slipping through the cracks, okay? So what we have to do, that's one thing that we can do to support students is give them mental health support and support them social and emotionally. A lot of teachers step into the classroom thinking that I'm a content teacher. You know, I'm a science teacher. I teach science. Why do I have to teach respect? Why do I have to teach emotional intelligence? And I tell you, well, if that's your mindset, you're the one bringing a knife to a gunfight, all right? People can say all day that students are the same, like 80s, 90s, 2000s. Students are not the same. They need more mental health care support now more than ever. Not saying that our generation didn't, but we did, okay? Another thing that we can do to support students is give them the academic interventions that they need. All right, the academic achievement gap is widening and widening. And so if we can identify those students who are struggling academically, look at our menu of interventions according to RTI or NTSS plan, you know, whatever you term it, then we have to build systems in place where students are consistently getting that academic support uh, that they need so we can help them close that achievement gap. And then the third thing, place where a lot of people are missing it. All right, students, when they step into our environment, school administrators, you know, we've done an awesome job doing the things that we feel we need to do to support our students here in school. And a lot of students step into school and, you know, we provide A plus environment. But the problem is if we, once we send the students back home, you know, those environments may not be A plus. So I remember when I was dating my wife, it was around the time where I was ready to propose to her. I went on a home visit. She lives in a town three hours away. We went to visit her mom. I met her family. And, you know, a lot of them were warm to me, but other people, they were a little skeptical. They didn't know me. They had to get to know me. So they weren't sure that I was the one, you know, for their family member. And so I got back home. I told my mom, I'm like, you know what? I enjoyed meeting her family, but some of them, you know, seemed as if they were somewhat skeptical of me. She said, well, they have to get to know you. So she said, you have to realize this, Don. You have to do whatever you need to do to bridge the gap, to build a relationship with her family, to let them know that she's in good hands. You have to build that bridge because when you marry her, you're marrying her family. And when she marries you, she's marrying into our family. So schools have to realize when you're supporting students, you also have to support their families. And if we can extend resources, you know, that we offer students in the school environment, we have to figure out a way to connect parents with resources so students can come into an A-plus environment when they come to school, but also send them home to A-plus environments where they have everything they need in order to be successful, which you guys know is, you know, safety, love, support, caring environment. Yeah, that's powerful. And I love the fact that you said we need to take an inventory of our academic supports to ensure that we're reaching all students. Actually, we're working with a group of administrators after this on that exact fact that we need to take a look at the supports we have in place and make sure that they're there for all students who need them. I'm going to go with the the second part of what you said, though, community supports, okay? We have an A-plus environment they're coming into, but that's not necessarily what's happening outside of school. And you said we need to do the best to make those connections to help families and to get the students Uh what they need, that 72% of students who feel that they need social and emotional support. Can you tell us activities, strategies, even out of the box, you know, things that you see people or school districts you're working with or suggestions that you make for doing just that, bridging that Uh gap between the community and the school? Okay. So a lot of us feel like we know exactly what our students need and we know what the parents need. All right. But what we have to really do is ask them to inform us of what they feel will help them to be more involved in school, how we can support them to support their students. And so at different school districts that I've been in, even in my own 
homeschool. We offer all kinds of family education classes, you know, whether it be on technology, best parenting practices, setting up an environment at home where students can come and study. And we just do a survey and we talk to our parents. So we have to talk to parents, you know, open up that dialogue and be willing to listen to them and find out what that need is and how we can fill that gap. I remember when I walked into my first principal's job and I was basically sharing my story with my students because I had students who had poor attendance, they had poor grades. And I wanted to talk to this handful of about 30 students who we identified with poor attendance, poor grades, and, you know, abject behavior. And so when we brought them into the room, I said, hey, you know what? My parents told me if you work hard, you get a good education that you can do anything that you want to do in life. But it starts with getting a good education. And so I told them, I said, I'm sure that your parents want to see you guys come to school, get good grades, and, you know, go on to finish high school and college. I was like, so why is it that you guys' attendance is bad, your behavior is bad? Because I want to be able to give your parents a good report when I talk to you about them. Man, one of those kids looked at me and said, Dr. Parker, my mama don't care about my grades. My mama sent me to school to eat. <laughs> and then his little sister in the back room said, for real, though. <laughs> and so now knowing this, I understand that that family had a food deficit, okay? How can I support them, you know, with this food deficit that they have? And how can I leverage that to then, you know, motivate the family to connect further with the school, to stress the importance of attendance with school? And so what I did, I told the mom, hey, we having a family reading night coming up. We're going to do a raffle, Target. We're going to do a gas cart raffle. We're going to do all these great things. I said, how about if I told you that I can guarantee that your name will be pulled out of one of these raffles? I pulled the raffle for her to go to the local grocery store, like a, a $100 gift card. Man, she's been my best friend ever since. Anything I ask, you know, I'm, hey, make sure your kids are at school on time. Hey, I need to see you up at the school. She's there, Johnny on the spot. And so she felt like her need was being met. She know I support her and her family. So she supports the school and supporting her students. It's a great cycle. It's an excellent story, Don. And I love the fact that you are responsive to their needs. You know, so often we would miss that tell, right? We would miss mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, the student saying, yeah, my mom sends me to eat so often that would just kind of go over our heads and not see it as an opportunity to really become a part of their life and continue to meet their needs in different ways. 100%. A little bit, but it's along these lines of ensuring, and I love the fact that you said we need to build an A-plus environment, you know, in our schools, at home. If you're going to improve the student experience in every school, what would you want to see done? Okay, so... Think about this. All right. And I do this a lot when I do my keynote speeches and when I go out and I do professional development. All right. I put up a picture of a water bottle and I say, when I go to the grocery store to buy this water bottle, it costs me 89 cents. Everyone knows I travel across the country doing PD. You know how when you guys go to the airport, they don't let you bring that water bottle in when you have to go through security. They make you pour that water bottle out and throw that water bottle away. Why? When you get to the kiosk, they're going to charge you $5 for that bottle of water. If I go to the Bulls game, I'm from Chicago, been a Chicago Bulls fan my entire life. All right. When I go to the concession stand, they're going to charge me $8 for a bottle of water. We have these huge convention centers in Chicago. If you want to go get a bottle of water, it's going to cost you $10. And so now I ask people, what changed? The bottle of water didn't change, but the atmosphere changed. The environment changed. So... My question to educators now is this. Here's my analogy. When students step into your school and step into your classroom, do you make them feel like an 89-cent bottle of water or do you make them feel like a $10 bottle of water? What are we doing in our school environments to let students know that we value them, we care for them, we want them to be here, and we want them to feel good about being here. We want them to feel valued. The way to do that is building relationships with students and letting students know that you believe in them and that you're going to be there for them. So my analogy to this is, you know, it's not rocket science, all right? I use 
use an analogy when it comes to exercise. I ask people, we all know what we need to do in order to stay in shape. So I'm going to ask you guys, what are some of the things that you know you need to do regularly in order to stay healthy? I drink a gallon of water a day, Don. Stay hydrated. Drink drink plenty of water. Stay hydrated, right? All right. What you say, TJ? Get up early. Get the exercise in before the day gets started. Exercise. Eat right. So what happens when you stop doing those things? All right. You become a little bit unhealthy. You know you need to do those things. Same thing with building relationships with students. It's not rocket science. But here's the thing. When it comes to exercising, looking good, being healthy, people want what it looks like, but they don't want what it feels like. They don't want to do the exercise. They don't, you know, exhaust themselves doing the work. All right. They rather eat the unhealthy foods than the healthy foods. They're not getting enough sleep. They're not sticking to their self-care regimen. So they get more unhealthy. It's the same thing with relationships. All right. We know what to do. Greet students at the door every day. Encourage students. Hold students to high standards. Give students affirmations to let them know that we believe in them. All right. And everybody wants to be a warm demander where they have these great relationships with students, but they don't want to do what it takes. What does that take sometimes? It might take sacrificing a plan. It might take inviting a student, you know, eating lunch with them. It might require doing a home visit. So we want what it feels like to be a champion for kids. We want what it looks like, but we don't necessarily want to do what it feels like. So what we have to do to make students feel value is to, you know, start doing those activities that really demonstrate that we value the student and that we believe in them and want to do what we can do to help them be successful. It's critical, the sense of belonging in school. It's like if they don't have a sense of belonging in that environment, they're certainly not going to learn there. I love that you say it's not rocket science. It really is those small things that you're talking about, greeting students at the door, knowing their names, knowing what's important to them in their personal life. Yep. And, and it's showing it's, up at their games. You know what I mean? Showing up at their games, you know, checking in on them. You know, how are you doing? How's your family doing? You know, is, is everything okay? Just engaging them. Engagement is the first intervention. I often say that engagement is the first intervention. And when it comes to motivating students, you know, to be successful in the classroom, there's another quote that says 99% of education is encouragement, right? We have to let our students know that we believe in them behaviorally and academically and that we're not going to lower the bar. Yeah, I'm definitely writing that down. I hope somebody tweets that out right while we're on here. 99% of education is encouragement. That's an, an important reminder for teachers and school leaders. And I would just say people on the call, people listening to this, we can just crank this up just a couple of more notches, right? Make a little bit more uncomfortable for ourselves, say hi to just a couple of more kids in the morning, do a little bit more mm -hmm. of that rapport building in the hallways. And everybody on this call can pick up the step just a little bit more for kids. I know that I'm inspired to do that from what we're talking about tonight. Don, our listeners love resources. And of course, people are going to get your book. Some people are going to win your book on the show tonight. Some people are going to click on Amazon and make sure that they order it before we're done here. And that's going to be a great resource. What other resources do you point people to in terms of leading, inspiring educators, a leadership, teaching, learning, anything that you would share as a go-to for you? Yep. A go-to for me is, you know, podcasts like you guys host here. It's a great resource to listen to podcasts. All right. When I'm working out, I used to listen to rap, but now that I know I need to continue growing, not only keeping my physical body in shape, got to keep my mind strong. So instead of listening to music, when I work out, I listen to an educational podcast, go to conferences. All right. Find those conferences that are coming near you. That's hosted through educational organizations. Attend those 
those conferences, listen to other thought leaders. Also books. So I love Transforming School Culture by Anthony Muhammad. I love looking at that book, learning how to have a, I guess, establish a strong school culture within your building because we can know all the great things to do. But you guys are familiar with the quote that culture eats structure for breakfast. Okay. So once we get a strong school culture, you know, and that book would take you step by step on how to do that, then you'll start seeing that transformational change that we need to see happen in schools. Of course, my book, Building Bridges. And so it, that book, Building Bridges, Engaging Students at Risk Through the Power of Relationship, it also shares some practical strategies that will help teachers, you know, be more empathetic to students and then teach life skills to students and build those strong relationships. Thank you, Don. We'll definitely connect to those in the show notes. And uh, we also appreciate Anthony Muhammad's work. A lot of just mm -hmm. good takeaways which people can just do, right? We're so often mm -hmm. talking about, you know, what to do, but sometimes you just got to do it, you know, quit talking about sure. it and implement it. Outside of education, is there anyone just out of curiosity that you gravitate towards? Yeah, like it really is. So a personal person who I gravitated to for a long time, who really inspired me was my uncle. My uncle was a Chicago policeman. During the time my mom and dad got a divorce, around the time where I was about 11 or 12 years old, my mom has me and my three siblings. He said, I'm going to step in to make sure that you and your children have whatever you need to be successful. So really, he was stepping in as my role model. And he really inspired me to do the right thing and go to school, get an education so I can, you know, do what I'm doing now. So I look to him a lot. Someone else outside of education who I like, who I look up to. That's a good one. So mm, who could I say that everybody would be familiar with? You know, I was telling my wife this morning how I really look up to Barack Obama. I love him because despite what everybody thought was impossible to do. He did it. Right. And this is a, what I like about about this is I want to encourage school leaders is that people will say that this is impossible or we can't do this. It's never been done before. But look, he overcame the challenges. He, he used the resources that he needed to use. He believed in himself and look what he accomplished. School leaders can do the same thing. All right. Enlist your resources, have that confidence, eliminate self-doubt, believe in yourself, and you can accomplish great things in your school. You can accomplish the impossible. Thanks for that, Don. I like how you enumerated the things that you think that President Obama was doing when he overcame those challenges, including using the resources at his disposal. I would like to ask this you know, maybe as a final question and Joe might follow up, is there a book that you wish somebody would write in this field that you think is missing? You say, look, there's a topic here that I think if leaders could just hear more about this in the education arena, we could solve more problems. Is there a title that maybe you want to write in the future that you haven't written yet or a topic you think to really kind of uncover? That's a great question. So there's so many things that we continue to need support with, which is, you know, more more leadership. You know, you can never be short on books about leadership. Educator empathy for students and, you know, how educators can also improve their practices would be great too. And then just some proven interventions that students need for social emotional support and academics. So I don't think that we could ever have enough teaching strategies or new methods where we can help students learn better. So I think, you know, things on, on those topics and also innovative school day. I think we need to sometimes rework how we do school altogether. I think we should look at more four day work weeks where students may go to 
to school for four days out the week instead of five days. I think that might benefit teachers with their mental health, their workload. It might attract more teachers to the profession. And I think at this time, what's really needed is, you know, a book on just motivating our teachers and then recruiting more teachers into the profession because we're losing teachers at a high rate. When I first got into education, people were leaving corporate to get into education. But now in the last 10 years, that trend has been reversed and teachers are leaving our profession to do other things because we've just totally burnt them out. Yeah, it's unfortunately true. We do need more books on leadership. We do need more books on teacher retention, retaining teachers, encouraging people to get into this great field. And I wrote down the title, The Empathetic Educator. I don't know what the subtitle would be, but I think mm. that concept of learning to be more empathetic for one another and for our students, I think is a great topic for a future book. Don, this has been fantastic. I've taken pages of notes here, lots of inspirational stories, some tangible things for our listeners to do from here, books to read, places to go. I linked already to Transforming School Culture by Anthony Muhammad. We'd love to have him on the show too. As we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to add that you didn't get to say, a question we didn't ask, a request of the audience, anything as final words? Yeah, sure. So right now I am doing professional development. I resigned from my principal position and now I travel across the United States doing professional development. It's exhilarating. And one of my specialties is working with educators who serve students of trauma. And so I work with teachers to build trust and relationships with students who suffer from trauma. And I love working with principals to improve the culture in their buildings. And I also created a workshop that's called Burning Up Instead of Burning Out, because I understand the amount of stress and workload that teachers have. You know, I had a former teacher call me just the other day and ask me for a letter of recommendation. I said, you know what, what's going on? He said, you know what, Dr. Parker, I feel like I'm living my job and I'm not living my life. And I said, okay. I said, every part of me wanted to encourage him. And, you know, because I'm an encourager, every part of me wanted to encourage him and tell him to stick through it. I said, well, how soon do you need this letter of recommendation? You leaving at Christmas break? You leaving at the end of the year? He said, no, Dr. Park, I'm trying to leave tomorrow. <laughs> and so, in response to these things, that's why I've created this workshop called Burning Up Instead of Burning Out. So teachers can understand that, you know, we can't pour from an empty cup and stressed out teachers make stressed out students. But students, I mean, but teachers who are inspired make inspired students. And so I just want educators to know, hey, I believe in what you're doing. You're making a difference in students' lives. All right, remember your purpose and remember that you are there to serve students. And it's not a job, it's a calling. So continue to live out your purpose with enthusiasm and let your students success drive you to continue to stay in this great profession. The great final words of encouragement from Dr. Don Parker himself. We keep living out our purpose, inspiring students, and really experiencing the flywheel of that cycle when we can see the great work we're doing. And teachers, you are needed and you are making a huge difference. And we really want to make that part of the message here in the show. Don, this has been fantastic. Like we said, we've taken COVID notes. We have a live audience and we have tons of folks who are going to listen to the show after it's produced. How about a round of applause from our virtual and live audience as well? And don't forget to follow the Schoolhouse 302 for podcast, blog posts, books to read and more. We'll be back soon with another episode of Focus Ed. Until then, stay focused. Thanks for being on the show, Don. Thank you, guys. Hey leaders, before you go, one more announcement. We now have available for you our candid and compassionate feedback masterclass. Really, because of high demand, we are thrilled to offer this. This is a course that we run live 
and in person all the time, and leaders love it. They learn to give feedback with skills that they can use right away, including better praise to lift and celebrate your team. It's now available in a virtual online format that you can take on your own, self-paced, from the comfort of your office or home. Here's what you'll get. There are 11 lessons with a focus on nine candor cancellations that we wrote in our Candid and Compassionate Feedback book. These are mistakes that leaders make that we don't want you to make anymore. We'll teach you models so that your feedback is meaningful, and we'll give you tools necessary to build the culture that you always wanted. Trust us, without these critical skills, you're not capitalizing on your own capacity to lead better and grow faster. Go to the site, theschoolhouse302.com, click on shop courses, add this course to your cart and start learning today. Welcome back. I'm Joe. And I'm TJ. And you're listening to Season 5 of Focus Ed Podcast, where we cover all things education to help you lead better and grow faster by staying focused. Focus Ed is a collaborative program of work with our partners from the Delaware Department of Education and Wilmington University. We record each episode with a live audience and then blast them out to you from our website, theschoolhouse302.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and more. Don't forget to follow us at theschoolhouse302.com to learn more about when episodes are recorded and for more school leadership resources. As always, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Focus Ed, and we can't wait to hear from you.